Welcome to our Maryland's Politics and Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany, and today we'll be joined by Sean Johnson, the Maryland State Education Association's Assistant Executive Director for Political and Legislative Affairs. Anyone who has ever worked on an education issue in Annapolis knows Sean Johnson. He's one of the most widely respected advocates for public schools. Prior to coming to MSEA nearly seven years ago, Sean served as a campaign specialist with the National Education Association and as a deputy political director on Hillary Clinton's 2008 campaign. He also spent six years as a vice president with the Matt Crounce Group. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Nice to join you. The new school year is in full swing, and members of the Maryland Commission on Innovation and Excellence are back at work evaluating Maryland's education system. The commission has spent the past year analyzing statewide K-12 public education. Fifteen years have passed since Maryland last convened a similar educational commission. The Thornton Commission, officially known as the Commission on Education, Finance, Equity, and Excellence, was convened in 1999 to examine Maryland's educational infrastructure. In January 2002, the committee ultimately concluded that an additional $1.1 billion should be allocated to Maryland education by fiscal year 2007. In order to ensure continuity between the two groups, the Kerwin Commission is legally required to include the same educational consultants as the Thornton Commission. A lot has changed since the Thornton Commission, particularly since the start of Governor Larry Hogan's administration. Let's start by taking a look at some of those changes. So, Sean, most Marylanders read last week that Governor Hogan is refusing to sign off on an education plan, which could jeopardize a quarter of a billion dollars in federal funding for schools. The only other governor to refuse is Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. Can you explain to our our listeners what's happening there? Sure. So the state of Maryland has to submit a plan to the federal government under the Every Student Succeeds Act. That's the federal law that replaced No Child Left Behind. And uh, our state plan was formed with input from uh, numerous town hall meetings and listening tours, uh, feedback from local stakeholders. It took about 18 months for the state of Maryland to put together its plan, um, including with legislative input. And the plan was signed off on, and the governor refused to sign the plan. It still goes to the federal government, even without a Governor Hogan's signature. Uh, the why? Well, I guess we'd have to ask Governor Hogan why he didn't sign the plan. So we're left to uh, kind of put together some of the pieces from the governor's priorities as it relates to schools. And his priorities are um, very much in sync with U.S. Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos. Uh, Governor Hogan and Betsy DeVos uh, see completely eye to eye when it comes to public education, which is let's underfund or defund our public schools and spend more time and attention and funding on private schools, private charter schools, and other efforts that really undermine public education. Um, it was with those concerns in mind that the General Assembly of Maryland took action and passed a law during the 2017 legislature, uh, known as the Protect Our Schools Act, that would guide how the state of Maryland wrote and submitted its plan to the federal government. Mm -hmm. Governor Hogan vetoed that bill uh, because it said, when we have low-performing schools, we're going to do something crazy. We're going to ask local teachers and parents how we need to turn around those schools, something that's not done now. Let's really go and ask the experts. Instead, Governor Hogan wanted to bypass that local process and immediately turn it over to a privatization model because that's the scheme that works in his world, his, his small view of, of, um, 
of public education. And so, consistent with uh, his opposition to stakeholder feedback, he vetoed the bill. Uh, the General Assembly overrode his veto. Uh, the Board of Education uh, submitted a plan that's consistent with both federal and state law. And the governor uh, decided to, um, I guess, side more with his Betsy DeVos side of uh, education uh, thinking rather than uh, his Board of Education side of education thinking. Yeah, and I mean, you pointed out that he's he's very cozy with uh, Secretary of Education uh, Betsy DeVos. He actually hosted her at a public school in Montgomery County. Um, and as you pointed out, his approach to education seems to be cut first and ask questions later. So can you talk to our listeners just a little bit more about his record on education? Yeah, sure. Um, I think right when he took office, it's important to to stake out where his thinking was on public schools. He introduced a budget his first week in office that cut $144 million from public education. And if you play that out over the four four years of his term, would have been over a half a billion dollars worth of cuts. Um, luckily, the General Assembly stepped in and restored as much of that funding as they were able to. But Governor Hogan, stubborn as ever, um, was determined to withhold money from our public schools and withheld $68 million in year one. In year two, back at it again. More ways of figuring out how to withhold money from our public schools. Another $20 million were withheld in year two. And in year three, he was back at it again. He proposed cuts to after-school programs. He proposed cuts to programs that help with the training and retention of of, people recruitment and retention of educators, uh, which, by the way, are the exact same types of budget cuts that President Trump proposed in the federal budget for education. And when he's not cutting schools, our public schools, he's trying to figure out how to move more money into private models. Under Governor Hogan, Maryland, unfortunately, has our first voucher program. Um, uh, While the governor was cutting money, he added $5 $5 million uh, to uh, a voucher program in his second year in office and again in his third year in office. And so it just speaks to his priorities. When he's not forced to do something by the General Assembly, which is fund things by mo- fund our schools mostly through formula-based um, programs, the governor takes his discretion and focuses on uh, weakening the, uh, the country's best charter school law, which Maryland has. He would like to undo that law and invite private providers who are focused on profits over student learning. Um, he's prioritized a voucher program, and he's prioritized defunding our schools. And yes, those three things are totally in sync, totally mesh with what Betsy DeVos and Donald Trump have in mind for our schools at the federal level. And uh, many Marylanders probably don't realize this, but there's actually a state commission meeting right now to evaluate our school funding formulas. Uh, The commission is chaired by former University System of Maryland Chancellor Britt Kerwin, and their interim report suggested that there are billions of dollars in unmet needs in our schools. Their final report is due at the end of this year. So what are you hoping to see from the Kerwin Commission? Well, the Kerwin Commission's first charge is to receive... Uh, some independent analysis on what the unmet needs are in our schools and figure out how we make funding formula adjustments to meet those needs. Uh, Right when they got started, they received that report. And as you suggest, it says that we have $3 billion worth of unmet needs in our schools on an annual basis. And that's because the last time we revisited our funding formula, it was 15 years ago. 
Since then, we've seen a doubling of students who um, come to our schools who live in poverty. We've seen an ever-growing expansion of English language learners. We do a better job of identifying and teaching students with special needs. But all three of those classifications of students are risk factors that frankly cost more money to educate. Our formulas haven't kept up with that. Um, and so we clearly need to uh, look at those formulas and update them. We are going to the Kerwin Commission with feedback from uh, over, we hope, all of our uh, educators in the state um, about what their priorities are. And what we know from talking with them already and hopefully more that we can share with the Kerwin Commission before they make recommendations is that we need to... Um, uh, we obviously need to improve our funding formula to meet those unmet needs um, because not only do we need to help all students learn, we also need to do a better job of, of paying our educators. Um, we're long overdue and giving teachers a raise they deserve to be uh, to treated like the professionals they are. The education support staff who are in our schools who are the glue of making uh, every public school work in this state. Uh, we need to do a better job of uh, reducing class sizes and caseloads for teachers and other staff in the buildings. And um, we need to do a better job of providing some of the uh, resources that kids need to learn now. That is expansion of career technology education in high school and its expansion of a pre-K program, hopefully get us to universal pre-K for early childhood learning. So. There are all sorts of priorities, all sorts of opportunities here with the report from the Kerwin Commission. But first and foremost, we need the commission and policymakers to understand that we have these unmet needs and that they need to take bold action to address them. Absolutely. And I mean, you sort of touched on this with the need for expanded resources for not only students, but teachers as well. And uh, Hogan's budget secretary serves on the Kerwin Commission, and he's argued that our schools get more than enough money from the state and that the real problem is how schools spend that money. So what do you make of that argument? Well, Secretary Brinkley is uh, wrong in one part and right in another. Um, he's wrong in that their schools have all that they need. Independent analysis suggests otherwise. You know that $3 billion number, you know, in this er environment of state and federal budgets where billions are thrown around, is sometimes hard to characterize. But that comes out to, on average, $2 million per public school in the state. Can you, like, for any parent or teacher or student, can you imagine what we could do with $2 million in their specific school? It would be a game changer in our ability to staff appropriately and our ability to service all of our students' needs. Uh, so we clearly uh, have tremendous unmet needs and the current funding doesn't address them. Where Secretary Brinkley is right is that we also need to do a better job of spending the money we have. And so whether it's accountability in the school-based level to make sure that we're spending money on what students need and not just a new set of office chairs for the conference table or another set of technology that may replace uh, computers that still work. You know, we need to be smarter about how we spend the limited resources we have. Uh, this is a big ask of taxpayers, of uh, this, this uh, public school uh, experiment that we have mastered in this country and I think excelled at in the state of Maryland requires full support and input from all taxpayers. And so it is reasonable to assume that we are responsible in how all of that money is spent. I think largely we are. 
can we do better? Absolutely. We need to figure out how we are doing better and do more at the same time. And the MSEA's endorsement is among the most coveted by politicians. So what do teachers want to hear from candidates who are seeking that endorsement? Um, now more than ever, we need bold leadership. We, I think, our educators across the state are crying out to have a governor who has their back, uh, not someone who undermines and belittles them and calls them thugs. Uh, they expect someone who respects them and the work they do, who understands it, and who is committed to addressing some of these huge needs, both funding needs and just support needs uh, for our schools. That's, you know, it's really lacking uh, with Governor Hogan. The contrast of what he's offered in terms of small-minded thinking, small-ball solutions for our state and for our schools needs to be countered with someone who's bringing big, bold ideas to the table, universal pre-K, full expansion of career technology education, raises for our teachers and support staff, reduced class sizes for caseloads. You know, all of those things, it has a constituency, not just of our members that, yes, I have an interest in making sure uh, are represented in this debate, but also parents and communities. Do you know the best resource, the best natural resource the state of Maryland has is the Chesapeake Bay? But the best resource that we have to whether it's to attract Amazon's second headquarters uh, in, in this country or to further expand families who want to, parents who want to raise families here and businesses who want to grow here is our educated workforce. And our educated workforce is so amazing because we continue to have the, some of the best public schools in the country. They could be made better if we had a governor who cared to invest in them the way we should. And so I think as we engage in a recommendation process and the governor's race in 2018, or as we evaluate candidates uh, up and down the ballot, General Assembly, all the way down to local Board of Education, we're looking for people, candidates who will bring bold ideas and committed action to support our schools. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Sean. We really do appreciate it. Happy to. Thank you. We'll keep you updated on the Kerwin Commission and its findings as they develop. You can join us again in two weeks for another episode of Our Maryland's Politics and Policy podcast. But in the meantime, you can also keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and on our website at OurMaryland.us.